Hello again, I'm back. This is Angie Hambrick, Associate Vice President of Diversity, Justice, and Sustainability with our next episode of the Diversity Center Alumni Podcast. Just as a reminder, the Diversity Center Alumni Podcast centers the voices of alumni from minoritized communities, and it also tells the stories um, that share in the values of the Diversity Center, which are critical reflection, perspective-taking, community, and care. So for this edition of the Alumni Podcast, I have the privilege of recording from the beautiful Twin Island Republic of Trinidad and Tobago on our second Diversity Center Alumni Travel. Um, Two years ago, we headed out to Hawaii as um, a group of alum, and two years later, we're here in Trinidad and Tobago with a group of 20-something amazing alumni, family, friends, and staff. So today I have the pleasure of chatting with two alumni from Trinidad and Tobago who studied at PLU. So I would like to introduce Kareen Otley. Kareen graduated in 2009. Hey, Kareen. Hi, Angie. And Maurice Eckstein, who graduated. (laughs) Did I say it wrong again? (laughs) You did it right. You did it right. I have some sort of like performance anxiety or something every time I have to say uh, Maurice's last name. Maurice, I love him dearly. He's one of my favorite alumni. I know his last name, but whenever I have to record it and say it out loud, I say it wrong. So, hey, Maurice. Hey. He he graduated in 2011. You know I love him. (laughs) So... What we're going to do today is have a little chat about how Kareen and Maurice ended up at PLU um, as students and their experiences as students um, from Trinidad and Tobago at PLU. So can y'all tell us why PLU? Why did you choose Pacific Lutheran University to study for four years? Okay, so hi, everyone. As Angie said, my name is Kareen. Well, what I would say is that PLU chose us. Initially, um, I would have applied, submitted an application actually through the Best Village, Prime Minister's Best Village competition. And from there, PLU would have selected me to be part of the program in Trinidad. And from there, that would have been the beginning and the, the joy of my life. <laughs> we made mem- many memories throughout my period there with PLU. What's Best Village? Prime Minister's Best Village Competition is where different villages meet and we compete against each other in um, song, dance, and acting. Oh, did you sing or did you act? I did both, oh. as well as danced. Who did you act? What was one of the characters that you played? Um, it was so many years ago. Um, a child, obviously, but then I would have been around the age of, um, how old was I? I was around the age of 19, actually. Uh I was 19 years old back then. And I would have played the character of someone's child in a village. I can't remember exactly how the play went, yeah, but um, I also would have sing lead songs as well. 
You were lazy. That yeah, that took a lot of training though to train my voice. <laughs> because I'm not the best singer, but you know, I could do a little thing. But you sing from two. your heart. You sing from your heart. Yeah, yeah, that's where the passion is. <laughs> what about you, Maurice? Uh, it was the same it was the same process for, for me. All of the Trinidadian students, we Thank we you. applied Trinbago. I do apologize. Um Trinbago <laughs> students. It, yeah, we had to apply. You had to had both your cultural experience in the Prime Minister's Best Village Trophy competition, and I remember you had to be an active participant for at least three years. Yeah. So you had to actually compete with groups for three years, um, and then you also had to have your academics in line. So it wasn't that it was just, oh, we were just cultural students. No, we had to have both very high cultural experience and then also aligned with your academics did you play and sing and what did you do i i um sang and acted and also danced yeah that was that was what i did a couple of podcasts ago we had the privilege to talk to um mr earl lovelace and dr barbara temple thurston who talked a little bit about how she came to uh trinidad and tobago can y'all talk a little bit about Barbara, who was Barbara to students um, from Trinidad and Tobago at PLU? Barbara was like a mother to us. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And she was also a mentor to us and a friend that you could always go to and talk to. And she was, she always inspired us. She believed in us even, I think she believed in us more than anybody else believed in themselves. You know, she gave us that, you know, that hope and that strengthened us. Even if you feel a little down, you know, she reminded you, reminded us all that, you know, you can't do this. You can't do this. Yeah. You're no different than anybody else. You can't do this and you will do this. Yeah. Barbara or like we students or maybe faculty close to her call her BTT, um, South African post-colonial literature professor. And she just, you know, helped us to understand that our stories are valid. Our narratives were important and just the way that we were able to I think it was really important for us to be steeped in that cultural foundation and participation in the Prime Minister's Best Village Trophy competition because then it made us really um, you know deeply rooted in our culture locally here and it added to the 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 uh, social capital on campus. Can y'all share with us um, what are some of your fondest memories of your time at PLU? Global Get Down. <laughs> dance That's Ensemble. True. That's true. We had a lot of fun with Dance yeah. Ensemble. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, definitely. Even the carnival, campus carnival that we used to put oh, on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good time. So for those of you that know, Kareen and Maurice were a, a part of a cadre of students from Trinidad and Tobago. So at any one time there might have been maybe two from each class so there was maybe eight of you maybe in a good year and one of the things that they did was they put on a campus carnival so they would help the university understand kind of what is carnival what are the characters of carnival and what's the significance of it kind of thinking about like art as resistance so it's um, they taught us that it's it's fun and exciting, but it also has very um, deep cultural significance. So if you all want to talk a little bit about that, that would be helpful. 
It was it was important because we we wanted to we wanted to make it home. We were there. We had to be there for four years, and that's that was a part of our culture. And us being these, I mean, highly cultural students, it just it just it just made sense. But I wasn't actually the one that started it because I think I met Candice probably, and yeah. you and yeah. Kevin had mm-hmm. already started something so by the time i came and i was like the third wave maybe yeah um meaning the third year of students that showed up it was already swinging it was yeah, already it was, happening yes it was um it just to add to what maurice said it was a means of us sharing with the the community at plu what carnival is really about and what it means to us and it also helped us in identifying our identity to them as well. Well, just one part of our identity as um, Trinidad and Tobago students. So um, a lot of students appreciated it. They learned a lot. I think it also sparked their curiosity a bit. You know, so students were even more interested in coming on the study abroad because of what we would have also introduced at PLU. What were some of the not-so-fine moments? What were some of the the transitions that you all had to go through coming from Trinidad and Tobago to the Pacific Northwest? The weather. (laughs) The food. Yes, definitely the food as well. But I could clearly remember it being the weather for me um, because I would have expected... You know, you're watching these shows... And you expect winter to come at a certain time and end at a certain time. And then every day you get up and you look through the window, you see the sun and the sky is clear. And, you know, it kind of warm your heart and you feel a little happy. And then you step outside and it's this strong, cold breeze that just hits you in your face. Yeah. So it was the weather for me. It was very But I did love it, though. It's just knowing, seeing what, knowing that you see something and expecting it and not expecting what you see, yeah, it was a little transition for me. But apart from that, the food, I miss the Creole food, the dumpling and mm-hmm. the chicken mm-hmm. and the provision. Mm-hmm. But we found a family away from home. Yeah. The bakers. Yes, the bakers. Definitely, yeah. Who yeah. definitely reminded us of that part. Yes. Of all the things that we were missing from home. You know, she will cook for us. Yeah. She will call us. She will welcome us in their family space. You know, the little family activities will be all be a part of it. So it was fun. Yeah. It was nice. It was definitely, um, I, I agree as well with Kareen around the weather, because I remember having that anxiety, knowing that you're going to open your door and hit that wall of cool air. It used to just make you like not want to walk outside, um, because we never had to think about that growing up here. And then, yeah, the food and trying to figure out how to, to culturally adapt to it, and that was a challenge in itself. Oh, and time. Mm. Time is time. Yeah. Not here in Trinidad and Tobago. No. One o'clock means two o'clock here. Someone expects you to be somewhere for 1 p.m. And even if you're five minutes late, it's like, I've been waiting your whole time, waiting on you. Yeah, yeah. Whereas home here in Trinidad and Tobago, what's he saying, Maurice? You can't be late twice. Yeah. You can't be late <laughs> twice. Yeah, so if you're already late, you might as well, I mean, you're late. You're late. So. Yeah. <laughs> you're and everybody expects... Yeah, it's an expectation. So even if you're late, it's sort of okay. Mm. 
you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what were some of those other cultural things that you all had to kind of shift away through i think time is a really good one to think about well apart from the weather and the food and time nothing really stands out significantly apart from those three that we would have listed mm. i mean family of course you know you would have missed your family being so far away but as i said um being there we all grew closer because of that and then we also would have met as we mentioned earlier the bakers yeah which were from trinidad and tobago as well yeah and we definitely became close because of needing to support each other in that way with such a small group of us on campus and so far away from home and such a different place that we would cook and, and, you know, call each other over and say what's, go- like, what's going on. Um, I never did it, but I think y'all would just go to the UC randomly in carnival costumes. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> And yes. Ju- just, just for the... Fun of it. Yeah, just for the fun of it. Um, we'll play our music, soca, calypso, especially in house parties. <laughs> yeah, we would take over the house party at some places, yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, they're here. How did y'all go about finding community at POU? What was your community like? I think we were fortunate that it was a small campus, but it was still a strong group of us. And I think because of the experience of the cultural backgrounds that we all shared, like we all partook in some aspect of Best Village, and that all made us really, really deeply like we were very culturally we had very deep roots culturally mm-hmm. um and that caused us to really unite as it 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 forced us to really identify as trinbegonians on campus mm-hmm. but apart from that apart from us just being you know the trinidad and tobago community there um the campus was really welcoming you know the pers- people were friendly um, they were easy to talk to, you know, they were, um, so we were able to reach out to others as well and, you know, relate. Mm-hmm. We definitely had like a, also a staff support system. Like we know people to call and I can call f- former staff members like uh, Carl Stumo, Laura Majowski. Uh, there were a few names who were really, really um Angie. They, mm-hmm. of, well, of course. I'm just saying. Like, wait, <laughs> That's I'm, why we're like, here. Like, why am I number three? <laughs> no, no, you no. Spoke you spoke first today. <laughs> <laughs> you were the we leave the best for last. That's such an <laughs> and Tobago culture. <laughs> but yeah, there were definitely staff members who were invested in our success. They were definitely making Barbara. sure that. Yeah, especially Barbara Temple Thurston. So one of the core values of PLU is the idea of vocation. So thinking about your purpose, your call, your wild hope, your one wild and precious life. Um, So I'm wondering, coming from Trinidad and Tobago, was the idea um, of vocation um, a part of your context? Did you all think about vocation before you came to PLU? And if you didn't, um, what what did that transition look like? It was it was very different. It was a different encouragement. A di- you had to a different mode of thinking that we were exposed to when we came to PLU. I think when I was in high school, in secondary school in Trinidad, you weren't 
really taught to question. You just kind of were there to kind of memorize and do exams um, toward, you know, your goal of, of whatever you were studying. But when we got to PLU, there were there were these big, big enough questions and 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 uh, wild hope and all of these things that forced us to kind of really examine and question, well, what do we think about the way of life about different things? Yes, I also agree with Maurice in that um, coming from Tobago, um, our main purpose actually is just passing an exam. You know, passing, getting certain grades, primarily an A, you're told, you know, without an A, you're not on top. You're not at the level that you're supposed to be. And then coming to PLU and realizing that, yes, as much as passing a subject is important, there's a lot more to life than just acing exams. And they start exposing us to all these different types of conversations. And then, just as Maurice said, you're forced to examine yourself. You know, you're forced to have all these introspection about yourself, questioning who am I in this world? You know, where would I like to see myself? How can I contribute? How can I add value to the environment that I am in? You know, now and in the future to come. So um, it did expose us to a different way of life. You know, it did force us to examine our life differently. I think that... One example I had when uh, at a particular affinity group on campus, there was an exercise that we were talking about rewriting, sort of rewriting your either narrative or reclaiming words that were used negatively against you at one point in time. How do you want to reclaim that word um, or, and, you, and spin it? So for example, the N word, how you would use it in a, in a, positive, ex in a positive light and everybody was, they were going and the exercise was going and I didn't know how to respond and the facilitator called me out and said, you know, do you have anything to contribute? And I said, I, I, I couldn't think like that yet. I was, I was in an, almost like in, a, in a, a survival mode. So I'd never been trained to kind of think, well, I don't know what I want to be called. You know, I'm just kind of trying to figure this out. If somebody calls that, calls me this, I'm identifying an issue and I'm in survival mode. I've been in survival mode. So I don't, I've never had the privilege to be like, okay, well now I'm in a safe bubble. What do you want to be called now? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you all think about vocation now or is there another word that you, or word or phrase that you all have when you're thinking about kind of what you're here to do? So vocation isn't necessarily a word that I use. I get the idea, but the word is not my word, so talking about reclaiming words. So I really like to think about kind of what is my ancestor's will? Like what am I on this earth to do that um, would make my ancestors proud? So what is their will? And that's how I think about what I do, my purpose, my call, my vocation. So do you all um, use the word vocation? Is there another word that you use? And how do you think about your call? Um, I definitely don't use the word vocation. I just, just a simple purpose. I think after leaving PLU and even returning to Trinidad and Tobago and back into the system that I came from, then 
a lot of things were more obvious to me. Mm-hmm. And it forced you now to try to have certain conversation and then a lot of people still can't really connect to you because that is not the environment that we were growing up in. Mm-hmm. You know, we were going to, okay, accept certain things. You're at this level and these are your duties and these are your responsibilities. So you just kind of go through the flow of things. So having those conversations now among the persons that surround you is a bit of a challenge, but I do see myself saying, you know, I'm, there's more to just sitting here and just doing this every day. There's more to, more to life than the routine things that we do. So why do we then wait until probably we retire or many years down the road to say, you know what? I think it's time to go on a vacation. I think it's time I start committing myself, you know, to doing social work. These are the things that don't go through our minds, and it's definitely not a way of life to us. Yeah. So, yeah, purpose. Yeah, and I have a a different story where I stayed in the states after, and mm-hmm. so, um, but my work still wants to focus on Trinidad, even though I'm in America, because I was so culturally ingrained by the the prime minister's best village i mean that is still Mm -hmm. in me so even though i am working in the american system i just i'm at a i'm at an age where that is all i think about so whatever i'm doing how does it apply to trinidad how does it how what is the thing that i can 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 do or question and i have to be honest i i i think it's easier to do it from a distance why so uh, for the same things that you know, Kareen talked about coming back home and working. I don't know what industry I would be in here. I don't know where I would be. I don't know what I would be doing. And then I, I think that because, and I don't, I don't know if you can share this or what, but sometimes if you have a little bit of frustration, a personal frustration, where sometimes you observe things, because I have a lot of friends who also were. Uh, students who went ab- abroad to study and then came either came back and they had a really tough adjustment because culturally there were just some things that it's hard to break through in terms of just having and I hate to say the word progressive but and when I say progressive it's that vocation questioning you know what is the purpose behind this instead of just like is it just an economic thing is are you just trying to make money or mm-hmm. are you just trying to just get come to this job do whatever the people above me tells me to do on that day and then go home. So as I mentioned um, in my intro, um, we are here in Trinidad and Tobago as a part of a diversity center alumni travels group. So 20 something of us are here trying to think about what does it mean for us to enter into this space as kind of tourists and how do you go from tourist to learner? Um, and, and thinking about um, cultural exchange, and is that even possible? So can you all talk a little bit about um, cultural exchange? Is it is it even possible for us to be in a relationship with Trinidad and Tobago as tourists where we are giving and taking kind of at the same rate? Is it an equal relationship, or does one group always kind of lose out in the experience? You know, I I have thought, I think I've thought about this in terms of sometimes the way how I view 
basketball players or football players. Okay, we we, we going with you. Wait, being scholarshiped in order to perform for the school, and not that we were asked necessarily to perform for the school in certain ways, mm-hmm. but there were expectations for us to be cultural ambassadors of Trinidad. Yep. It came naturally to us, but I don't think if we had gotten to PLU and opted out of performances and opted out of being a part of, you know, the cultural exchange, I don't know if it would have been criticized by the administration or by anybody. I don't know if based on what was expected of us in the exchange. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's like this the, the balance between, of course, you know, tokenization and representation. So you all can't help but to bring your culture with you and display your culture in, in, in different ways. So going to the UC dressed up as carnival characters is, I mean, that's just a part of the culture and what y'all chose to do. So that's kind of, you know, your representation and balancing that with, you know, the expectation that at every admission event or every homecoming or every family weekend that you all would perform. Yeah. And so making yeah. sure that there was some sort of healthy balance between um, that expectation, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does make sense. I think that for me, it was we had a lot of fun doing it because it was it was who we were and it gave us this grounding hobby that kind of kept us on campus it kind of kept us kind of together as a group Mm -hmm. it helped us stay strong through the cultural divides and i guess i mean personally i just hope that it spurred people to question like okay well have you been exposed to something that you probably would not have if it were not for us here in this random private lutheran college in this random state, in this random Pacific Northwest. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it was very random for us to just all of a sudden hear about PLU. Washington, I remember for about two years when I first got there, every time I told people like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to school in Washington. But I have to say, no, the Washington by Alaska. Yep. Yeah. Not the Washington. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? It's for people to be like, oh, Washington, D.C. Yeah. Washington, yeah. D.C.? Yeah. It was very random for us. But Angie, can you just remind me of the question that you asked? I think it was more in reference to you all coming to. Is it possible for us, and the majority of us have never been here before, Mm -hmm. um, is it possible for us to come in um, to Trinidad and Tobago and give as much as we take? something to that effect so like this cultural exchange that folks always talk about like that's at the center of like global education not only at POU but in any college or university when they talk about global education it's all about this reciprocal relationship um is that possible can we do that in 10 days um while we're here is that an ex is that a um an expectation that we'll ever be able to to achieve yeah, I think it's possible given the right um, connections as a, not only just as a Caribbean country, but also as a tourist des- destination. There's many avenues where we welcome foreign, foreign um, students, adults, whatever category of group comes, we welcome them. So um, 
I know I remember being at school and actually um, having groups come to our high school and you know just talk to us about different things so I think the I think we are quite welcoming to different cultures and in some sense or the other Trinidad and Tobago is quite a diverse country as well so we have a lot of different persons from all over the world here and we there's moments where we really come together and embrace all these different cultures especially why we have um, Diwali we have Diwali we have a number of different festivals that we celebrate here that is just not about African there's Indians there's Muslims there's you know so it's quite welcoming you just have to probably seek out the right avenues and then it's about intention. Like, mm-hmm. as people yeah. are coming down here, what is your intention? Yeah, correct. What is the space that you're going to take up? You know, how do you, how does that show up? What are your expectations for service? W- what does that look like? And that's a question that every person will have to, to take on as they're traveling anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So what do you want our alumni group to take away from their experience here in Trinidad and Tobago? Well, I think it goes back to the big question. Um, That's part of the PLU culture. And I guess, as Maurice said, each individual have their own purpose and expectations. And having an idea of the kind of country that Trinidad and Tobago is, and coming here... I guess with the intent of learning some new culture or meeting new people or whatever it is. I guess it's I guess at the end of the day it's gonna be something personal to each and each individual. We should challenge every every alumni or every person on this trip to not leave until they have a big enough question. Thank you, Kareem. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, it's not always about the sea or the sun, right. sand, you know? There's a lot to learn from Trinidad and Tobago. As simple as we are here, there's a lot to learn. Yeah, I, I, tot- I totally agree. I think that um, adding another layer in, in the way that you things, or that the way you've been conditioned to think that things should work, in, in the order of things that in your universe or in your world or whatever, um, you know, we talk about time, for example, and that was a big adjustment for us. And we're still, we're still fine. We're yeah. late, but we're fine. We're, yeah. we're not, you know, nothing crashed. Nobody died. But we show up on time. We show up when we're supposed to show up. In time. In, in time. time. <laughs> yeah. Not, up, not necessarily not. on That's time. That's right. That's right? right. Yeah. So these little cultural things that you see or you experience add that to what your concept of what you think things should be and and does it have to be that way all the time like you you learn a new way of life a new way of an alternative is possible in certain things depending on whatever you're wanting to question so we are drawing to a close um one of the things that we always do on DSitter Podcast is that we give shout outs. So my first shout out is going to go to Little Miss Malia, who hey. is Kareen's little girl. She's almost two. She was born on the exact same day as my son Sanko. So they are birthday twins. She is adorable. 
it is pat was past her bedtime she was tired and she wanted her mama's attention so you hear yeah. a little girl on the podcast on the recording that's our lovely malia we love her so much so shout out to malia um second shout out would go to goes to all the Trambagonian students um, and alumni who were not able to be with us today. Um, so shouting out, okay, Candace, Leona, Rayanne, Avalon, Keegan, Kevin, and Giselle. They do it? Hey. Um, who I'm sure if time and other circumstances permitted would have loved to be in this room and uh, having this conversation. So shout out to y'all. Who are y'all shouting out? We got to shout out Angie first because apparently, course. yeah. Hey, you have Angie. To just do it. Just, just, I mean. I mean, yeah. I mean. Yeah, right. Um. I want to shout out my mother who is here with us right now. Shout out. I like to shout out Miss Baker and Diane and Deborah and Paul Ma- Baker. Mm-hmm. And even um, the family that would uh, we would go with Kyra to. Oh yes, oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, Miss Karen. Uh huh. Yeah. Miss Karen um, and her family. Shout out to Karen. Yeah, there were there was definitely. Uh, families that really embraced us and yes. made the experience um a memorable one a very memorable one um bearable mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 i want to shout out barbara of course of course of course um btt nothing none of this would have you know would have definitely been possible without her vision her vision yes yeah. she definitely had a vision yeah barbara you bugger and she believed in it Yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, and personally, I want to shout it out, you know, Kareen and the other students. Yeah. Like, it, if it wasn't for y'all, I would have never, I probably would have never made it to graduation. Like, the cultural anxieties that you have, the things that you, learning all about social justice and as a, a African-American presenting person on mm-hmm. campus now, yes. you know, you had to, we had to learn all of that stuff and learn how to maneuver um, the loots. Yeah, but we had a lot of fun along the way. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all did. All right. Also want to shout out our engineer and producer, Thomas, who... Yay is here for the first time in Trinidad and Tobago and is just soaking it up, just having a real good time. Um, And also always shouting out Lay Smith and the Marcom team who continues to make our voices a priority in the PLU narrative. So thank you, Maurice and Kareem, for being here, um, taking time. It's so good. I haven't seen Kareem in like two years. It's so good to see you. Maurice, I see him all the time. Um, but it's still always a pleasure. So thank you both again. Love you. Thank you, PLU. And we'll see you next time. Bye.